Hey, tennis fans, and welcome to yet another edition of the Southpaw Slice. I'm Ben Lewis, alongside my co-host, John Reed. And remember, you can find us on Twitter at Southpaw underscore Slice, and we're on Instagram, Southpaw Slice, and Facebook, too. Very excited because, John, today is our Wimbledon preview episode. We have the singles and doubles draws out for both the men and women and two weeks in front of us which should be some fantastic tennis and very happy as well because we have guest eric goodris who's a tennis now contributor to uh help break us down um this event which is in front of us so uh firstly eric thank you so much uh for joining us and we're gonna start just on the men's side obviously plenty of storylines but the big one here roger federer aiming for a record ninth title uh i'm sort of fascinated by um, looking ahead at this draw and wondering, is is it sort of like the French Open where it's Rafael Nadal against the field, or is Roger Federer maybe not quite the overwhelming favorite that that Nadal was at the last Slam? Uh, I think a little bit of both. I do think Federer is the the heavy favorite, um, but not quite like Nadal at uh, Roland Garros, who dominated the clay court season, obviously. Um, I think Federer, certainly in those kind of early events that he played, uh, showed he needed to up his level. And there's certainly uh, several players in this field that could uh, that could challenge Federer. So I, I don't think it's quite the, you know, kind of walk, you know, easy walk to the finals um, that kind of Nadal had. Uh, when he when he won the title in Paris. So, so Eric, my question is, I mean, I think grass is kind of more of a level playing field uh, for the field because the fact that if you have a big serve, you can kind of catch up to the, the better players that way. But how much, fa- like what kind of factor do injuries play in this tournament? Because I was going through the draw and I'm trying to find, mm-hmm. you know, players who can potentially challenge for a title and I'm not finding mm-hmm. that many. I just look at players and so many have injury concerns. How does that, when you look at the draw, how does that play in, uh, mm-hmm. come into play for you? Well, I think it does come into play to a certain extent. I mean, if, if people are coming in with injuries or uh, like say, example, Andy Murray, who's been, who's been out for so long is now just is making his kind of comeback here. Uh, but these players also know how to, manage injuries unless it's something they pick up in a match that they can't go on um so i i think that you know with 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 the bulk of these players if they've got some kind of injury uh they they, they kind of know how to play through it so like you look at uh milos raonic who obviously has has had his share of injuries in the last kind of six months or so but he certainly is playing much better, especially in, in Stuttgart. So he is one of those players that's had to learn how to manage the injuries and when he feels that he's almost at 100% to, to try to go for it. So that's, I think it's just part of being a professional player is just managing those, those injuries and um, just making the best of it. And of course, here uh, we're often interested in how uh, the Canadians are going to fare, and we have five in the draw this year, four on the men's side. Milos Raonic uh, looks like the top contender in terms of Canadians on the men's side for, well, the simple fact that he was in the final just a couple of years ago. Um, what are you really as- uh, assessing his chances as? Is is he on that maybe short list of contenders, or is he still sort of in that question mark spot? 
I think he's on. I would say he's on the short list to to make a run for this in, deep into the second week. I don't know if I see him as a contender for the title, but based on the form that he showed uh, over in um, in Stuttgart, uh, if he plays like that, he certainly has has a decent shot of making a deep run into to the second week. Um, he certainly is much more comfortable serving volleying um, than he was in years past. And I think that's a new added layer to his game um, that he can show opponents. It's a different look than him just booming down the big serves, which, are, which they're expecting. So I think he's got this kind of new uh, addition to his game that certainly suited great for grass. And if he can, you know, play at the level that he played when he got to that final, then he certainly has a good shot to, uh, to make a very deep run this year. Yeah, it is. It is kind of nice to see the variety. It's almost like watching, you know, Vashik Pospisil loves to come to the net and seeing Milos, who's got a more dynamic game do that is certainly kind of, you know, uh, it's not rewarding, but it's encouraging as uh, Canadian tennis fans. My, my next question was on Novak Djokovic because he's mm-hmm. kind of, I wouldn't say it's an enigma, but slowly but surely as he's come back, it seems like he's going deeper and deeper with every event he enters. And these events that he's mm-hmm. going deep in, they're not 250 events. I mean, we're talking Queens Club, Rome, quarterfinals mm-hmm. at, at Roland Garros. Where do you, like, what are your expectations for Novak? Because I know when I filled out my bracket, I have him going pretty deep. And I was surprised, mm-hmm. I, you know, I did a double take, like, how how do I have him going this deep? But, you know, looking mm-hmm. at the bracket, I, I, it's not all that surprising. Where, How far do you expect him to go, and how far do you kind of, you know, want to see him go in terms of expectations? I, I mean, based on his, like you said, the form that he's shown over the last couple of weeks, especially at, at Queen's Club, I, I would not be surprised if he made the final. Uh, that... But that has to be him continuing to play at this at this level that we've seen him at in the last couple of weeks. And but again, there is sort of this question mark with him regarding sort of the I don't know if you want to call it angst. I don't know if you call it like mental unsurety uh, that he's kind of shown in some of these these early matches in his comeback. If if he can avoid that, especially if he gets in a really tight match, um, then we're looking at almost the Novak Djokovic of old. And he certainly has the record at Wimbledon uh, to be a serious threat for the title. But again, he's got to continue this, this consistent upswing of, of, of results and, and play that we've seen. Um, so I, again, I, I would not, if he continues that, I would not be surprised if he made the final. You're listening to the Southpaw Slice. Remember, you can find us on Twitter at Southpaw underscore. Uh, underscore slice and our guest today, Eric Goodris, a tennis now contributor. Before we get to the women's side, just one more question for you on the men. Now, the last 15 Wimbledon titles have been won by the big four. Roger Federer with eight of them. Mm-hmm. Novak has three. Rafael Nadal has two. Andy Murray with a pair as well. Now, uh, of those four, mm-hmm. I think three are real contenders to win it because Andy Murray's probably not on our list yet. Um, but mm-hmm. one name I'm I'm looking outside of that big four box who can maybe break through here, um, and he's probably second on my list of contenders, is Marin Cilic. And, and he's won a Grand mm-hmm. Slam before, and he was in the finals last Last year, could this be his moment to maybe uh, take the throne away from the Big Four? 
It certainly could be. Um, he certainly has, even since winning the U.S. Open title, his, his game has improved so much. And I think he just believes that he belongs with the big four and he belongs on the biggest stages and certainly has the game to, to, to beat anybody, especially at Wimbledon. Um, I definitely, and I think with so much focus now on the big four, uh, being back, and like you said, even though Andy Murray, you can't really consider him a real contender. I think that will allow Marin to sort of fly under the radar and not have so much attention on him, and I think that will be good for him. Um, but for him to make another run to the, to the semis is certainly not out of the question, and you definitely will have to keep an eye on him because I, I think he is in that very short list of, of players that could, that could win the title. And, you know, I... When you talk about making that run to the semis, that's this, that's what I've been thinking about for the last day and a bit since the draw came out. Last year, we saw the wear and tear really take a toll on him in the final. I mean, that, that final mm-hmm. was never close. He was, you know, crying mm-hmm. on court. We saw that. Mm-hmm. Does, does it make a difference this year that perhaps if he faces Roger in the semifinals, that he might be, you know, even a, a tad more fresh? Does that make it more likely that he upsets him? Is, is it almost a good thing that he would face him in the semis instead of the final this year? I think yes. I think there's just there's an extra amount of pressure being in a final, and essentially the Wimbledon final. And last year that was his first Wimbledon final. So playing in a semi uh, certainly will take a little bit of that pressure off. And yeah, I definitely think. And again, like you said, the wear and tear of playing up to that moment. Now we'll have to see how he how he does. Uh, this year in terms of just sort of keeping those early round matches short and not not picking up some sort of injury before potentially facing Federer. But I definitely, a, match, a semifinal against Federer, I think is something oh. that he would relish, actually. He would like another chance at Federer again. All right. Well, I think uh, we, we've covered the men's side pretty well. And, and later in this uh, podcast, you and John, uh, John and I will make our picks. But uh, to segue over to the women's side, which uh, feels, as, as usual, incredibly open and just so hard to uh, predict and put your finger on uh, who the winner is going to be. Simona Halep is the top seed, of course, coming off that French Open crown. Caroline Wojniacki, number two. Uh, Serena Williams, a lot of question marks as to whether she would be granted a seed at this tournament. She indeed was and is number 26. Um, but Eric, I, I'm looking to one player who's who's been spoken about a lot for her uh, exceptional play on grass and just her exceptional 2018 season. Uh, Patrick mm-hmm. Vitova has really had a remarkable year and the only thing missing ha- has been a, a Grand Slam run. I, is this uh, mm-hmm. maybe the, the woman to beat at this event? I don't know if I would call her the woman to beat. I definitely see her on the short list of those that could win the title. Uh, I certainly agree that Kvitova is certainly a huge favorite because of her record this year and, of course, her results at Wimbledon. Uh, My only kind of caveat with saying Kvitova is the woman to beat is that I still think she has a tendency to you know, to find yourself in like tough early matches that that go three sets, um, sometimes against players you wouldn't think she would. So I, I, I still think there's that tendency she has that she is, that she is, uh, 
prone to a, an early round upset when you least expect it. Uh, but other than that, again, Kvitov on grass is hard to bet against, uh, especially with the, the way she's been playing this year. Yeah, I saw that uh, ESPNW story on, uh, on, on Petra last night. Absolutely like, astonishing kind of read to think of mm-hmm. where her doctors told her she had the chance. I think they said 10% chance to come back at the elite level as, you know, when she had right. her surgery in, in late 2016. And here we are 18 months later. She's won five WTA titles, a couple premier events. I mean, it's, it's absolutely incredible. Right. Um, it is incredible. Exactly. And my my question for for the women's side, my my number one question is Venus Williams because she went to the final, mm-hmm. I believe, last year, and mm-hmm. I thought, okay, she's gonna have a really tough time defending those points. And then I filled out my bracket and I realized, goodness gracious, I've got Venus in the semis again this year. Is like how likely is it that she can make another run at Wimbledon, considering the surface, considering her game, you know? Mm-hmm. And and last year we noticed when she came back. She did best at the events where she had a day off in between matches. Like all her best runs were at the slams and when she didn't have to play every day, which kind of, I think, helps her at her age, uh, you know, recover and and be able to to go deep. Is it possible, considering her draw, that she makes the semis or final again this year? Um, It's certainly possible. Uh, Venus at at Wimbledon is certainly a special combination. Uh, My only thoughts on that is that this year Venus has not shown the same kind of form that she did last year. So if she's been saving it for Wimbledon, then that's great because she's definitely going to need to play a lot better than she has um, throughout the, throughout much of, of this year. Uh, but certainly if, if Venus is feeling great and can summon that kind of form that she did last year, there's certainly no reason why she couldn't be, uh, couldn't again make another deep run if the semis or finals. It, it's a bit unusual to have a, a Grand Slam event on either side where you have the number one and two seeds and you feel like uh, nobody's really considering them as contenders to win the title. But it, it should be noted that Caroline Wozniacki, uh, who has her first Grand Slam crown this season, is coming off a nice win um, at Eastbourne. Mm-hmm. Now, now, she's never really put it fully together uh, on the grass at Wimbledon has never been beyond the fourth round, but uh, she's certainly playing with, uh, you know, maybe, maybe the most confidence we've ever seen from her. Is it possible Mm -hmm. that maybe we're underestimating uh, someone like Wozniacki or even Halep at this event? Uh, Definitely not. I certainly think that just speak on Halep. uh, I think the pressure is now off Halep because she finally won a major. She won Roland Garros, so she goes into Wimbledon probably just like, hey, if, if I do okay, I do okay. I have a French Open title. So she's probably feeling very relaxed and, and certainly could definitely make a, a, a deep run again. Wozniacki is interesting because she, after she won Melbourne, uh, we really haven't talked a whole lot about her until we've gotten back to Wimbledon here. So th- I certainly don't think you can underestimate her making uh, a deep run, like you said, based on the form she's, she's shown on the grass already. Uh, and just because of the nature of the draw, that if she's playing well, she certainly can beat anybody. So, And grass suits her game. It helps her game. So it, it wouldn't be out of the question to see her go deeper than she has before at Wimbledon. And I uh, should note that our defending champion, 
Here is Garbina Muguruza, who upended uh, Venus Williams last season. Uh, now, sometimes I look at Garbina Muguruza, and it, it's so hard to evaluate because she'll have stretches maybe during parts of the season mm-hmm. where at certain events she's not playing her best. We'll see some early round mm-hmm. exits. But she does seem to have that uncanny, uncanny ability to turn it on uh, for big matches, for big slams. And even I, I was pretty impressed mm-hmm. by her play at the French Open. Now, considering her power from the baseline, grass certainly uh, suits her game. Is she still certainly a contender to have, have an opportunity to defend here? Absolutely. And and like you said, that's that's the thing about Muguruza. You never really quite know what to expect. Um We've talked about all these other players, and yet here's a defending champion, and and few people are talking about her. Uh, But she certainly has the game when she's dialed in, when she seems to be, she seems to get more motivated playing at the majors than she does at the the regular tour events. So if she's dialed into her game, um, she certainly is a threat to defend to defend her title Uh, again. For her, it's kind of navigating those early rounds uh, where she has, you know, she has has potential to being upset in an early round match when you least expect it. So as, as long as she's dialed in and kind of can fly under the radar a little bit, um, she's certainly a threat to defend her title. I, I want to kind of discuss, we talk about people upset early in Grand Slams, and that leads me to, you know, full disclosure, this is my favorite player on the women's side, so I, I'm going mm-hmm. to give you that full disclosure. <laughs> but Alina Svalina okay. uh, is, mm-hmm. is someone who has never broken through at the Grand Grand Slam level. Kind of, I guess, not mm-hmm. the new Simona Halep, but she wins a ton of premier mandatory, premier mm-hmm. five events. And this isn't her surface. Does she have a chance to, to upset Serena Williams? I mean, I, I know this is injury dependent, how Serena's recovered, but you've got to think that's going to be the third mm-hmm. round matchup. And if it is, is this is this a chance for her to kind of take that next step? Because if she beats Serena in the third round, you got to feel that's a lot mm-hmm. of confidence, but this isn't her surface. So is this another early exit mm-hmm. for her? Or do you give her a chance to potentially beat Serena? And if she does that, maybe make a, a deep second week run. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she does have a chance to defeat Serena, but again, as with everything Serena, that match will be about Serena. If Serena is playing you know, at, at the level that we expect, even at, say, 80% Serena level, I, I don't know how uh, Svitolina is going to win that match, especially on grass. Now, if she happens to catch Serena on a day when Serena's not at her at her best, then she kind of struggles, let's say, gets into a, a third set with her, then she definitely has a chance. Um, but I think that match is going to be a lot about Serena. Now, if, if, if Svitolina can pull, pull that off, then, like I said, it's a breakthrough for her, and she certainly can perhaps use that to kind of to go deeper into the event. But, uh, I, I, again, I think that match will be all about Serena. And before we get to our one Canadian uh, in the draw on the women's side, at least uh, in singles, uh, that, that's a nice segue in terms of trying to evaluate Serena Williams' chances at this event. We, we had a bit of difficulty doing it at the French Open, and, and she had a nice first week there before, of course, that injury crept in, and yeah. uh, she had to withdraw ahead of her match with Maria Sharapova. Now, obviously, uh, 
she's she's incredibly dangerous on any surface she plays. But uh, Wimbledon, she's won um, seven times, and just two years ago was hoisting mm-hmm. the title. Is uh, despite maybe the lack of match play, despite the fact that you know she's coming off the the birth of her daughter, and and it, mm-hmm. it's it's a long road back. Is she maybe ready to to win a Grand Slam? I think Serena is always ready to win a Grand Slam. Uh, I think this one is, she probably has even more motivation for Wimbledon, uh, even than, say, the French Open, just because she's done so well there. Um, Serena has proven time and time again that she can just, you know, her warm-up tournament is the tournament. So she will just use these early rounds to, uh, you know, to work on her game and get better and better. And, um you know, we'll have to see, you know, if she can gets into the second week and she starts playing some of these, these top-ranked top players, kind of where her level is um, with, with them. But uh, you can never, ever count out Serena Williams for, for making a deep run at a major, um, especially if she feels like the motivation to kind of make a statement um, about being a mother and, you know, to come back again. So that just gives her more motivation, uh, than in addition to winning another major title. As if we didn't need more reasons to cheer for Serena Williams. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> now it's like, you know, she won it when she was, she announced when she was pregnant, and that was like an amazing story. And now well, I find yeah. myself cheering, like, come on, I, I want to see Serena win a slam as a mother. Uh, it's just, it, it's incredible. I, I adore Serena Williams and what she's done for the sport. And I don't think people, you know, I don't think people appreciate how good she is. I know we all, you know, everyone lays adoration at, mm. at her feet, but I don't think people realize how dominant she's been. It's, it's incredible. Um, but another, you know, we talk about the women's draw and it's always so open that we can go over a million players or 128 mm. to be more specific. <laughs> yes. But one player that I'm really interested in talking about is Caroline Garcia, because mm. I think, I think she might be one of the most underrated players in all of tennis. Uh, right now she's mm-hmm. good on all surfaces she's got the, she can hit with with the hitters she can you know she's got the game the strategic game to play with the junk ballers and her underlying numbers in terms of hold percentages and break percentages on grass are really impressive but she's never made a run at Wimbledon so I, I'm wondering mm-hmm. is is this kind of a, a chance for her to break out or you know is her draw too tough it's for me Carolyn Garcia is one of those enigmas where she she's really she's an all court player, but we haven't mm-hmm. seen her really take that next step forward at the Grand Slam level. Could this be her chance to do so? It's certainly possible, and I think the, the use of the word enigma is is the right word. But you could say that about a lot of French players, uh, men or women. That just sort of seems to go with being French, I guess. But um, <laughs> like you said, she has uh, you know she has this, what it seems like a complete game. Uh, to do well, but it just seems like for whatever reason, she can't kind of put it all together uh, over a two-week span in a major. I I don't know if if this Wimbledon is that moment for her. I think it's just going to depend on kind of match by match how she goes. She's got a a tough opening round against Belinda Bencich, um, who certainly could could pose problems for her if Bencic is playing well. So she's going to have to play really well right out of the gate. Uh, but if she can, you know, get through round by round and um, feel good about her chances, we'll we'll see. But um, like you said, it's hard it's hard to know with her what what to expect. 
All right, last question for you, Eric, before we let you go. And, and maybe it seems strange to have a question about a player who's just barely inside the top 200. But Jeannie Bouchard uh, was a 2014 Wimbledon finalist and uh, remains still one of the uh, bigger Canadian tennis stars, despite uh, her struggles, especially over the past few years. Uh, in this case, she had to play her win- way into the Wimbledon draw, uh, producing three wins in qualifying. If you're a Canadian tennis fan, is there much hope here or would you maybe be satisfied for just even a second round appearance from from Jeannie Bouchard who's kind of desperate to find that uh, and channel that form that she had just uh, just four years ago right uh, I think for Bouchard I, I definitely qualifying is is an achievement in itself just to, to get into the main draw and certainly she has a chance to to win a round or two I think um, I think to expect some sort of breakthrough run into into the second week might be a bit much to ask but i think if she can take this wimbledon experience kind of build on winning a couple rounds get some confidence then that can certainly help her through the rest of the season kind of to help her get her ranking up so i think this is an opportunity for her to uh to build some confidence for the rest of the year that is Eric Goodris, a Tennis Now contributor. Eric, I want to thank you so much for joining us, and we'd love to speak with you again later down the line. That would be great. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you. Eric Goodris, Tennis Now contributor. You can find him on Twitter at TN Tennis. Uh, that was some good analysis. So men and women's side. Um, yeah, Jeannie Bouchard, uh, we don't need to go too too far deeper into that obviously qualifying for this main draw is certainly a success for her just to to get a few wins together but uh john i know you and i want to break down uh, a little further um the men's and women's sides of the draw and offer up some picks a couple dark horse picks the rule on the dark horse pick you have to select a player outside of the top 20 to do some damage while we're on the women's side let's just yeah stay, i was gonna say far easier on the women's there. side isn't it wait, 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 you <laughs> oh, talk about dark, dark horses pick? yeah oh, you could have like five <laughs> or six of them um but i just want to run down um and i know this is this is why you prefer women's tennis to men's. Um, but I just want to run down a few of these first-round matches that we have on the women's side. If you are a fan, and if maybe you're on the fence about being a fan, this is something that you could sign up for. Uh, first-round matches here. Angelique Kerber against uh, Vera Zvonareva. We have first round. Sloane Stevens um, against Donna Vekic. First round, Stevens just coming off that French Open finalist appearance. Garbina Muguruza against Naomi Brody, I think will be very interesting. Brody uh, will have the fan support behind her uh, with the British factor. And uh, this is a match we already talked about, Belinda Bencic versus Caroline Garcia. First round uh, could be some heavy hitting and uh, an intriguing match. So this, this is what makes, I guess, the women's side so difficult to determine because you have these great talented players and you look at them and you say, well, I could see, you know, I could see Angelique Kerber uh, making a run to the final or she might lose her second match. Right. And and this right. is what makes it so, so challenging to pick out a winner. But um, I'm, I'm actually when I, when I go through the draw and I think of her ability to turn it on on the grand slam stage and how grass actually suits her game. I'm not talking about Petra Kvitova. I'm liking Garbina Muguruza for this tournament quite a bit. Uh, I'll disagree with you there. Okay. Um, well, that's that's. I, I do. Here. I do like that you. <laughs> we'll get to this on the men's side too, because uh, I'll, I'll give some the listeners some some background. Last night, I told Ben what I thought 
a certain uh, lefty Spaniard who's overrated uh, was going to go <laughs> overrated <laughs> was, was going to go out, uh, and he goes, "Okay, you're going to stay out of the pod tomorrow." I'm like, "Yeah." I, sh- I showed him a picture of my bracket. I'm like, "I've got it in in writing here." Like, All right, well, that's but great. Um, in terms of the no, I don't think I don't think Arbenia is going to do it. She hasn't had the I think in the years where she won her slams, she had at least she wasn't consistently going to semis and finals. But she had won a few tournaments, and, you know, if she goes out at small events, she didn't mind, but she showed up for the big tournaments. I haven't seen the form this year. I haven't seen that form that kind of lends itself to, you know, you believing, okay, you know what, she may have struggled the last few weeks, but she's looked great at some point, and therefore I can see her winning it. That, I'm not there. I don't think she's she's. I don't even think she's a contender at Wimbledon right now. Really, her form this year has been so disappointing that I don't even even as a top seed, someone who won it last year, defending champion, always shows up at the slams. I don't consider her. I think she's out by by the quarters or semis. I don't even think she comes close to the final. Well, uh, she did make the semifinals of the French, and uh, that's nah. that's part of the reason why I'm interested in seeing if she can make a run back to the final here and potentially win it, is she didn't have a great clay court lead-up uh, into that French Open and then, you know, had some nice wins at the French Open, uh, led off with a win over Kuznetsova, Stoser, then, of course, crushed Maria Sharapova, then lost to the champion Simona Halep. So, um I just wonder if she's one of those players where maybe the lead-up doesn't matter so much. Uh, but at the same time, it's it's really, really hard to evaluate. I just look at the uh, portion of the draw that she is in with Simona Halep in that corner. Daria Kasakina is there at number 14. Naomi Osaka, what do you expect out of her? Uh Full disclosure, I think, well, no, I don't know why I didn't disclose anything. This isn't a biased <laughs> opinion, but she she has had uh, abdominal issues. Okay. And her first round match, like if you consider the stylistic matchup, her She's first... Against uh, Monica Nicolescu. Right. right, and okay. this isn't someone who you would think would be great on grass, but she's a junk baller. And it's like, if you're going to be good on grass, you either have to be a total junk baller or a total hard hitter. You know what I mean? Like, if you can slice and junk ball really well and keep that ball, like, a few inches off the ground, kind of like Magdalena Rybarakova does, and she made the semis last year, then you can be successful. And Nicolescu can do that. She's, I think she's made a fourth round of Wimbledon before. And Osaka's still young. She's someone that I think might have problems adjusting to that kind of game plan. So if you are not careful, she could upset her in the first round even. And... Again, if she's got abdominal injury, I really liked Osaka as a dark horse pick. Like when we talked about players around the 20 range, I was going to take her, but injury concerns, the fact that it's possible she's upset in the first round, yeah. I've kind of backed off that. So my expectations for her aren't that high, but if she goes f- goes far, I wouldn't be surprised. You know what I mean? It's kind of that in-between uh, scenario. And uh, look, we we actually didn't even touch um, with Eric on this, but uh, Maria Sharapova in the draw, and just uh, just like any other uh, event where she's won in the past, uh, Maria Sharapova will remain a threat uh, to me, at least at Wimbledon, if she's showing up there healthy. And I thought, considering maybe what we saw early 2018 in her comeback, where she's I don't want to say fighting it, but still struggling to produce, you know, multiple wins together. We'd see her win a match, lose a match, maybe win a couple matches, lose a match. That I thought the French Open was certainly a success for her uh, on clay. And she said earlier in her career that she still struggled to adapt and play on a clay court. Grass court is 
ultimately what would suit her game, uh, the way she plays from the baseline, relentless attacking. If you can return successfully on the grass court, uh, we know how dangerous her return game is. Uh, you can be really, really effective. And look, I know it was 14 years ago that she won this title back in 2004. Uh, when she was, what, 16? <laughs> maybe it was 16, 17. 15 or 16, I think. Yeah. Maybe 17. Um, and beat Maria Sharapova. Uh, sorry, and beat Serena Williams. That'd be impressive. If Maria um, Sharapova beat Maria Sharapova <laughs> in the final, like that is two very good runs in very one tournament. Very good runs. Uh, she also made the finals of 2011, but is she someone who can make a run at least to the second week? I've been, this is, this is the question that I knew that was going to come up in this podcast that I've been battling with because when I filled out my bracket, I wanted to just write her name through to at least the quarters, potentially semis, but yeah. I, th- I, I think I have her out in the fourth round. Okay. Uh, but again, I hate doing this because it seems like such a fence sitter position. The whole, well, you know, she could go far, <laughs> but you know, I like, wouldn't be surprised if she got upset early. I hate myself well, for doing that's this. That's every player on the women's right. side, right? And I've done it two or three times today. I like to be so. I'm, as you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm somewhat opinionated. I don't really? know if you knew that. Yeah, I, I don't know if you knew that. I but noticed. I like to, I like to take a take a position. And it, this is another one where I'm sitting here like, I want to see her go far. I be, like, obviously, she can. Ironically, the French Open is where she's had the most success, I believe, of, of all the slams. Um, like if you, yes. if you, if you aggregate it all, yeah. the French open is where she's really had success and it, you know, she had a tough time adjusting to clay and yep. her power game is much more suited to the grass, mm-hmm. but she loves the French open. Um, I, I definitely, I'd love to see her. How great would it be if, you know, she wins it as a teenager and then comes back in 2018 and, and manages to, to make a deep run or win it now. I think that'd be a great story, oh, of but I, I don't, I, I, I don't see it. I'm yeah. going to take another, you know, fence sitting position here where it's like she could, but she might not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm leaning towards the she might not side of things. I, I uh, There's something about her game right now that I'm just not sold on. I think at least in the past she hit really well, but in previous years I saw more of a game plan to her game. Now I think it's a lot more of like the Camila Georgie, I'm just going to pound the tennis ball kind of thing. Yeah. And... Of course, she's way better than Camila Georgie, but I think that that kind of, when you watch her, it's hard to kind of assess any rhyme or reason into why she's she's playing the way she is or, or certain shots she's putting where she is. You know what I mean? I, I don't see maybe, as cohesive of a game plan. Maybe it's sort of the, you know, the heavy ball striking without the sort of tactics and strategy right, behind exactly. it. Um, That's which, what I'm seeing now in 2018 Maria Sharapova yeah. uh, compared to the Maria Sharapova that was so dominant that won five slams. No, that's 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 fair. Okay, I, I think we're I think we've arrived at prediction time, and we want to maybe spend about ten more minutes after this on the men's side, and we'll make our predictions on that side. But okay, we are we are at that point of the tournament, women's side. Well, we're not at that point. We haven't started the tournament yet. Point of the podcast where you offer up your women's What do you mean? I'm pretty sure that uh, Serena won yesterday. Oh, really? <laughs> well, if that's your pick, uh, fire it's, away. But uh, women's side. Uh, it's Saturday, by the way, just for our listeners. So that that doesn't, if it's if they're listening on Wednesday, that's like, wait a minute, it has started. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, John, without further ado, go ahead. Who's your pick to win the uh, women's title? And do you have a dark horse selection? My pick is Petra Kvitova. Okay. I think, you know, we talked last week about how it would be great if she could not, I hate the concept of throwing matches, but if she could go go out early at Eastbourne, it wouldn't be the worst thing. And what did she, she went out early. Hey, she followed your advice. I, yeah, yeah. You're welcome, Petra. Uh, that's like a four, 5% uh, commission fee on your Wimbledon check. 
<laughs> I, don't, I don't eat very much. Five <laughs> percent's a lot. <laughs> yeah, of a million some. I'll take it. But uh, I, I think Petra wins. She's got the most wins on tour. She's got five titles this year. This is her surface. This is her Grand Slam. Uh, there's nothing to indicate that she's not in form. If she wasn't in form, I, I would be a little more hesitant. Um, I don't think any of the, the traditional big hitters are can claim the level, like the presumption of a title. Karolina Pliskova is awful at Wimbledon. Ironically, she you think it would you would suit think her. it would suit her. Serena, lot, we still have questions. She sure. she's still somewhat. She's just getting back. She hurt herself at the French. Uh, and I, I, you know, Ash Barty is a, a big hitter who's doing really well on grass, but she's. Uh, we haven't seen the Grand Slam right, success. We, exactly. We we don't have that pedigree yet. Yeah. And then Joe Conta is amazing on grass. She made the semis last year, but she's got a little bit of a tough draw to get there. So I think if I'm if I'm picking a winner, it's got to be Petra Kvitova. Um, I think that she gets there. And my dark horse isn't going to be outside of the top twenty. I, I think okay. Carolyn Garcia. Um, in terms of top 20 players on grass, she might be around the 20 range in sure. terms of, you know, career success. So if you look at it that way, I guess I could try and sell it. But I think, I really do think Carolyn Garcia, with her, her outlying numbers, her all-court game, I just feel like at some point she's got to break out, and I can see it being at Wimbledon. Maybe a quarterfinal? Right, like like a, like a fourth-round quarterfinal appearance. Okay. And I think that that's completely reasonable uh, for her game. And she, like I said, you look at her hold numbers, look at her break numbers. They're very impressive for someone who is is cited as a not grass court player. Like, I don't think people realize when you break down her game, whether it be the eye test or the numbers test, she's good on all courts. Yeah. She just, I think a lot of times she has tough draws or she has one bad match. And then, you know, one bad match means you don't go very far. If you don't go very far, people don't give you recognition. And I think that's kind of plagued her throughout her career. But I, I would I would say keep an eye on her. Okay. Um, well, I, I mean, I already I already tried to sell her in a, a lead up about five minutes ago, so I have to stick to my guns and uh, say that I think Garbina Muguruza can actually defend her title here. Oh come on! Um, I know you think it's ridiculous, but I, I think you're ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she won she won the event last year, of course. Uh, so you know, she obviously has the experience and uh, the game that that is suited to win this title on grass. I also like the fact that she's on the upper half of the draw, uh, where I don't think there are as many scary spots to uh, take her out. Uh, I think it's pretty easy navigation for her first few rounds, maybe a net contivate in the third round, but I don't see that as a big threat. And then when you get a little further into the draw and you wonder, well, yeah, maybe, you know, I'm actually liking your Caroline Garcia pick, through the quarters, when you look at the draw, I don't trust uh, a few players like Naomi Osaka to put it all together on this surface. Angelique Kerber, great defender. She's been into a Wimbledon final too, just a couple seasons ago. I think she's named to maybe watch for. Uh, but if I were to pick between the two to win a match, I like Garbina there. So I think she can work her way through the top half of the draw. And of course, anything can happen in a final. Um, as for a dark horse pick, uh, look, she played an excellent uh, tournament just this past week and reached the finals. Arena Sabalenka lost to Caroline Wozniacki in Solid. Eastbourne. And here she is opening her tournament. She is playing uh, the 29th seed in Buzarnescu, but she gets past that. You talked already about Karolina Pliskova. She's had a bad season. She's just has not well, had Sabalenka a good... beat her in, in Eastbourne. 
Oh, I, I didn't even realize. Yeah, okay. I watched that match. Great match. Okay. Uh, third set tie break. Sabalenka's beaten Pliskova, not like in the last, not, you know, two years ago on this surface. I'm <laughs> talking, talking last week, week on this surface. Yeah, yeah, so that could be another third round encounter between those two. If that happens, I think Sabalenka could win that match. And then you're looking at a player who has a chance uh, even beyond a fourth round, and she's in that sort of upper quarter with uh, Venus Williams there at the ninth seed, Kiki Burton's number 20, who's maybe not really a grass court player. So I think uh, that could be an intriguing player to watch on the women's side, uh, at least my dark horse pick, Arena Sabalenka. I like that. I like okay. That. We'll, uh, we'll quickly sort of wrap up the men's side. I, I mentioned the last 15 Wimbledon winners um, on the men's side. Maybe not the drama uh, that we're used to on the women's side, uh, they've been four players. Roger Federer has eight of them. Novak has three. Nadal has a pair. Andy Murray has a pair. We know that... And who's got the rest? Who's that guy that has the rest? I already said he had eight. Oh, Roger. <laughs> okay. um, but, I, missed, I missed that part. I just wanted you to hear it again. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't really <laughs> care to say it again. Not really, not really necessary. But um, we didn't discuss Rafael Nadal with Eric Goodris. Um, so not worthy. You, not, already, not, he's not worthy. That's you've right. already written in your draw that he's going out to the quarterfinals. Um, first of all, who is he losing to in your bracket? And secondly, why do you think he has the quarterfinal exit? Well, I showed you the, I, I sent you a picture of my bracket last night and I had him out in the fourth round of Fabio Fagnini. If at first, if Fabio Fagnini had any semblance of grass form ever in his career at any time I would have kept that pick but he doesn't and I'm not so I, I, I'm like I'm not concerned about him being Fabio like you know him Benoit Paire Bernard Tomic these guys who like to clown around and completely break down mentally sure Fabio doesn't do that in matches with the big guns when he's playing a big gun, he kind of turns his game up, right? He he's he, uh, kind of he's he's like the guy who he loves the cameras. Attention's on me. I'm going to turn it up. And, oh, we should remember he pushed uh, Murray to five sets at Wimbledon last well, year, and he came back against Nadal down two sets to none. He came back and beat him at the U.S. Open. Right? Yes, I that mean, was two years he, ago. Yeah, That's yeah. right. He's done that before. Yeah, um, and he loves playing the big guns. But my problem, and you know what, his his game is an all court game. He's got he's got the non power game. He can hit. I don't think people realize how good of a hitter Fabio Fagnini is. I would have had him out there if it weren't for the fact that he's never had success on grass. Okay. I would have said Fabio to beat Rafa, and I would have laughed my head off uh, if he had have done it. But I've got him on the quarters to Juan Martin Del Potro. I know Del Potro isn't someone who's necessarily had all the success on grass, but he's got a game that kind of can lead to success or lend itself to success with the, the heavy serve and forehand. I think that he's had time off. Um, I think that you know, the injury concerns aren't really bothering me, and he's he's played really well against some of the top guns so far this year. So I think, yeah, I think that Juan Martin takes him out in the quarters. And I, I'm just not sold on Nadal without any grass warm-ups. I mean, he played an exhibition. He played an exo. Two matches, yeah. Yeah, no, was it Hurlingham or Boodles? I think he played Hurlingham, Hurlingham. Right? Yeah. yeah, that's okay, right. Okay, so he played uh, exhibition matches, lost one of them. Um you talked about, you know, off air, you talked about how he was trying to kind of shorten his game on the return on grass because, let's face Playing it. Playing shorter. Right. If you if you return the way he does, eight, you know, 100 feet behind the baseline because you're scared um, against a servant volley, you're done because that volley, you have no chance yeah. if they angle it properly. And I think that's useful. And he lost one of his matches, but that's useful because he's going to play likely potentially Vashik Pospisil in the second round and Misha Zverev in the third round. If you're standing 10 feet behind the baseline, you're going to three tie breaks and then it's it's almost a coin flip or, or four tie breaks in a fifth set. Yeah. You're not breaking them if you're standing that far back. 
I'm not sold on Nadal on grass. Um, it's not even a, a total bias thing. I just I don't think he does much this tournament. I think people are are maybe hyping themselves up to believe he's going to do well because they're Rafa fans, and I don't see any reason why. Uh, there's nothing to there's nothing that lends itself to believing he's going to make a deep run. So I think he's out in the quarters. I've got Fed winning because I mean it took me about four seconds to fill my bracket. I just found Federer's name and wrote it in <laughs> six times to the final and and winning. Uh, and then I decided to fill the rest of my bracket after. That was all a you know who cares about the rest of the bracket once you know that Fed's going to win. But he's going to win his ninth, um, which is more impressive than Rafa's eleven Rolling Garros's. I will say, and that's pretty much it for me. Well, 11 is a higher number than 9, so you're going to have to make an argument in two weeks if he wins no, his 9th. No, beca- uh, no, 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 uh, yes, surfa- the, sur- no, 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 the rest of the field, the surface favors the rest of the field a lot more than Rafa's surface, because if you're a big server, you've got a chance to upset him on any given day if your serve is working. If you're putting 60 to 65% of your first serves and you've got a massive first well, serve, you, could certainly make you the- can beat Fed on grass. Well, That doesn't help you, you on... You can make a counter-argument that uh, if you have a more complete game from the back of the baseline, you should beat Rafael Nadal on oh, clay, bogus. but he doesn't get beaten on bogus. clay. Bogus. No, 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 bogus no. at all. The field we has can, way, uh, the her... field is way closer to Fed on grass than it is to Nadal on clay. Everyone knows it's that. funny that that's the argument that it's like Rafa's fault. Rafa, you're too good on clay. No. Like, wow. No, that's a, no, that's okay. a weak you, you argument. I'm not buying it at all. Oh, but, get out of here. Um, okay. Well, well, do you have a dark horse pick, by the way? Yeah, not Rafa. Do you have anybody else? <laughs> no, no, I don't because I, again, it's like it's like trying to pick a dark horse at the French Open. I think my pick, my dark horse pick at the French was someone to take a set off Rafael Nadal, and that actually, I, I, no, Simone Villelli didn't do it, did he? Someone did. Uh, Schwartzman Diego did. Schwartzman right. took a set off. So my of my dark horse pick worked at the French. I think I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to say someone to take a set off Federer. Okay. And you know, I say that joke here, you know, cheeky cheeky, but it's true. Like, why why are you going to go pick a dark horse? At Wimbledon or the French, when you've got Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer, like there's, there, it's it's just it's a fruitless exercise because they're never going to go like it, it's never going to happen. Like okay. I don't even I'm not going to bother. All right, well uh, we'll go to uh, my side of the pick, um, and look, I, I I just think Wimbledon is a bit different um, with Roger Federer than Rafael Nadal is on clay because I do think yeah basically when we begin the begin the discussion of who's going to win the French Open it's basically does the field have a chance to beat Rafael Nadal whereas when we begin the discussion at Wimbledon um, with Roger Federer there it's yes Roger Federer is probably the favorite but we still have a handful of other guys who could maybe do it and if you look at that you know gap from 2013 to 2016 where Roger Federer won zero Grand Slams, he was probably not the favorite uh, going into Wimbledon each year and lost a pair of finals to Novak Djokovic. He had a second-round exit in 2013. Um, You know, he absolutely dominated the surface from 2003 to 2007. Uh, But if you go from 2008 up until now, he has three wins out of nine years. So I'm ballparking his chances to win this tournament Probably around 35%. (laughs) You realize that's incredibly high for a player to say they have a 35% chance to win a Grand Slam. Yeah, but if I said Rafa has a 35% chance at the French Open, you'd laugh that off. Come on, 35%? Yeah, but Rafael Nadal has probably won at 11 out of 13 years he's played. Then you should be taking all the money you have 
and betting on like Marin Chilich to win because if you think he's only got a thirty five percent chance, that, that you realize thirty five percent chance is a high odds for one single player right, to win but, a Grand but, Slam. But, but I'm saying the, the bookies way, have we the bookies doing, have him at like two to one. They have him at like a fifty percent chance. So if you think you've got a fifteen percent margin on the bookies, I suggest you find a couple players that you think could beat him or could win it if he doesn't. Okay, well, and bet just, on them because that lost, is ridiculous. He just lost a match to Borna Chorich. Marin Chilich is a, a two better, out of three. Marin Chilich is a better player than Borna Chorich. Novak yeah. Djokovic. Dennis Kudla, Dennis Kudla went seven six seven five. There's a hundred players better than Dennis Kudla. Doesn't mean that at Wimbledon they're going to. Why are you talking about a victory that Roger Federer had and comparing it to his loss? To because Borna he was George. he was seven it's he not... was seven six seven five. It wasn't a big we victory. Talk... It was he yeah, we edged talked it about out. Tie breaks happen all the time. Now get out of here. Um, this is ridiculous. Juan Martín del Potro, Marian Cilic, Novak Djokovic, <laughs> um, Rafael Nadal, who's beaten him in the finals of Wimbledon. I'm not claiming that's going to happen here, but there's a handful of players in this draw who can certainly beat Roger Federer, if, and he'll have to beat Borna Chorch likely again in the fourth round. I'm not saying he won't. I probably expect him to do it. But I've when got you have Borna a, out in the first round. When you have 35, I know you do, but when you have a, to me, maybe, okay, maybe peak 40% chance to win Wimbledon is what I'm putting his odds at out of, you know, a, a field of 128 players and Grand Slam winners in the mix. Um that tells me there's a 60% chance that he doesn't win the title, in which case uh, I don't want to make the same pick as you because that's not fun. Um, and you're Novak, a Fed hater. Why Novak, would you pick Fed? Novak Djokovic. <laughs> well, I mean, you've been sort of like, you know, tying this bow around the string of a Roger Federer Wimbledon victory, uh, acting like he wins it every year when he went uh, three, four, cons- <laughs> four consecutive years without winning it until last year. So, oh, uh, look, Marin Cilic, and Roger, Marin Cilic and Roger Federer, I think, are going to meet in a semifinal. Marin Cilic looks better than he did last year. Marin Cilic has the experience of the loss in the Wimbledon final. Um, there you go. Five set win over Federer in the semis. He faces Novak Djokovic in the final and wins in four. Djokovic beats Nadal in the other semifinal. Well, that's that, that. That's the incredibly intriguing part because Novak has played so well. He's if you don't think Novak's back, I mean, look at his last couple tournaments: all Grand Slams, Masters, or Queens Club, which is pretty much a Masters event field. Sure, five hundred event, but it's it's got the field of a Masters event. Look at those results. I mean. He's back. And you look at his draw, his draw's not that tough. No, it's not. And we no. talked about, I, I agree with you, Rafael Nadal's draw isn't tough in the first week either. Because oh, Rafa's got the worst eighth. And this isn't this, his fault. It's the, not his fault. He scariest, can't control it. But he's scariest, got the worst eighth, maybe ever. The scariest players for him are going to be, uh, I think, those big the booming, booming hitters. He probably yeah. wouldn't want to run into a Sam Query who's going to you know, frustrate him. For, for four or five sets. He doesn't have to deal with a Gilles Muller early in this tournament. Not to say that fourth round was that early Does Gilles Muller have year. success against Rafa or something? Is that what you're implying here? Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. I, I think people are going to find this podcast from you incredibly biased. You've already bow-tied a, a Roger Federer victory. Well, that's we, why we it's t- a podcast and not a, uh, a radio t- show. I could be biased. Uh, we right? took the poll, uh, by the way. If you haven't voted yet, uh, please do. We took a poll. Um on who are you taking on the men's side to win, Roger Federer or the field? Now, 67% said the field. We've only had 12 votes. I'd love to see way more votes to gauge what you think. I just think uh, the field has a better chance to win than Roger Federer. Federer is 100% the favorite. Uh, So that's where I'm at with that. So if I'm going to take someone in the field, it's going to be Marin Cilic. Um, There's not really a great dark horse pick to to take on the men's side. I'm curious to see what Nick Kyrgios will do. We'll wrap and talk about Denis Shapovalov. 
Because, look, he didn't have a good grass court lead-up at all. We know that. He only won one match. And he gets a really tough one against Jeremy Shardy. Do you like him to win that match? I don't. Uh, goodness, what a tough draw for a guy who's who's struggled on grass. And I think someone tweeted me, literally as we were, as we were recording, that Shap against lefties. I mean, I tweeted this out. Yeah, um, a few days back, I remember thinking about it. Like, goodness, he lost to he's he lost to Mueller and he lost to other lefty this Martyr week. And, What's going on? Yeah, and I looked at it. his last five losses are like Rafael Nadal, Maximilian Martyr, Prajnesh Gunaswaran, Jill Mueller, and who did he lose to this week? In and Eastbourne, he uh, lost to Misha Zverev, also Zverev, a, lefty. a lefty. All five of those guys are southpaws, and it's funny because if you if you talk to tennis fans, people who watch it on a daily basis, they tell you like. A lot of people hate left-handed players. And that fits perfectly with my personality because I'm a lefty and a lot of people hate me. But um, <laughs> they hate playing lefties because it's, you know, 90% of players are right-handed and you get used to playing the cross-court forehand and and and, and aiming, you know, sh- you practice to, to put it on their backhand. Then all of a sudden you're against a lefty and what you've practiced is giving them a forehand in their wheelhouse. And it's it's tough to adjust. And I think even for lefties. Yeah. Y- even as a lefty, you practice to play righties. And I think that's that's a problem for Dennis because I think even though he is a lefty, he knows he's got a little bit of an advantage. And it is an advantage. We're both lefties. I think it is kind of a a slight edge. But when he comes up against another southpaw, it's like, okay, now he's got to make that same adjustment. And I think he's 19. In-match adjustments are clearly the one part of his game he struggles with. Mm-hmm. He's not great with placing his serve. I think he kind of just tries to boom his first serve in there and hope, you know, if it lands, it's going to be good enough. He doesn't think, like, I'll go out wide this time and then come back down the tee another time because I'll have him leaning one way. I don't think he necessarily game plans like that yet, but he's 19, right? Yeah. If you're just if, – if he's not game planning and having the success he is, fine. But he does – that's the next step he needs to take. And grass – which should be a good surface for him, has not been great the last couple of years. That's Went right. out in challengers last year in the first round. This year, like, he's got three losses and I think one win. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's It should be a good surface, but, I mean, this this draw was tough. Jeremy Shardy has a massive serve. He loves the grass. And the worst part is, and I, I think this is a big thing in tennis, he's in form. I think, you know, a lot of teams talk about, oh, they're on a four-game winning streak in baseball or hockey, and that's momentum. I think that's overdone in North American sports, but in terms of tennis, if you've... You if have you, a game that's so mental, right? Right, and if you're... If you, if Jeremy Shardy wins a challenger, goes to a, like, deep at her, uh, Sir Toggenbosch or S. Hertigenbosch, whatever the hell you pronounce that weird Dutch name, um, you know, you go deep in two or three grass tournaments, you get to Wimbledon, you're not sitting there thinking, oh, I've got an up-and-coming, young, you know, next-gen player. Yeah. Uh, in the first round, I'm scared. No, he's going to be saying, why would I be scared? This kid is 1-3 on grass this year. He struggled on grass last year. I've got a massive game, and I'm doing well. Like, I think Shardy's going to go in. Confident. As, like, in his own mind as the favorite. And I yeah. think that's going to be tough for Dennis. I think it's, it's going to be really tough. And if he wins... I'd be pleasantly surprised. But this is the second straight year he's got a really tough grass opponent in the first freaking round. So second round or third round to me is, you know, exceeding expectations. A, an A grade for Dennis. If he goes out in the first round, it's like a B. If, it, if he keeps the match close, yeah. I'll give him a B because I expect him to go out. But if he takes it five sets, it's like, okay, you know, he was close. That's kind of how I see his tournament. Yeah, and we'll uh, we'll see uh, what he's capable of, what he does in a in a week's time when we uh, recap the first week. If he does produce a win, he could face Andy Murray, which would be 
exceptionally intriguing. Vashik Pospisil, if he gets a win, he could face Rafael Nadal. And uh, we'll have eyes as well on Milos Raonic. I believe he could have a potential fourth round with Marin Cilic, which could be be very, very interesting. Yeah, if he's healthy, that could be a very good match. Could be a match Um, of tournament. Could be. It could be. Uh, That is all for the Southpaw Slice. We thank Eric Goodress for joining the show, contributor from Tennis Now, uh, and appreciate his great analysis. We will be back next week, and we'll see where the tournament is at that point. So long.